0: Opening Arguments is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. The sure, jury's like, oh snap, a twist. Like they love twists. Any great trial has a twist.
1: I suggest that we give him 10 years in Leavenworth or 11 years in Spaldworth.
0: I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take five and 10 in Woolworth. Well, it
2: was like this, Mr. Court. I pressed the judge as your honor. Well, it was like this, my honor. Your honor, not my honor. Why? Don't you like them? You're meant to come down here and defend me against these characters,
0: and the only one I've got on my side is the bloodsucking lawyer. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Opening Arguments, the podcast that pairs an inquisitive interviewer with a real life lawyer. This podcast is sponsored by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, LLC, for entertainment purposes, is not intended as legal advice, and does not form an attorney client relationship. Don't take legal advice from a podcast.
0: Hello, and welcome to Opening Arguments. This is episode 317. I'm Thomas Smith. That over there is Andrew Torres. I was going to say, how are you going? How is it doing? Some combination of those.
3: I am doing fantastic. I am going well. I am super (laughs) excited. I'm really excited for today's episode. Me um, too. And yeah, how are you?
0: I'm great. I am equally as excited for today's episode. Really fascinating interview with uh, North Carolina State Representative Christy Clark and it's 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 a fascinating perspective. You're going to love it. Before we get to that, I do want to say, plenty of good Wayne stock tickets available <laughs> on, <laughs> for our uh, LA show, although they are selling fast. Come to the LA show. It's going to be so fun. Seriously, it's going to be a lot of fun, regardless of uh, which kind of ticket you buy. Either way, there's fun for everybody. But uh, oh, Platinum Night is going to be really fun. I am so excited. Uh, but buy those tickets. It's coming up October 12th. And uh, we hope to see you there. Let's see, uh, any other announcements before we get to our Really interesting interview today.
3: Yeah, last on on Friday, I promised a breakdown of the North Carolina lawsuit that was just filed against the Sacklers in their individual capacity. Um, we talked to Representative Clark for, uh, I think, an hour. So um, we're going to have to do that next week. It's, it's really, really interesting. It is what's going to happen, sort of the future of uh, litigation now that uh, Purdue Pharma has declared chapter 11 bankruptcy now that they have a pending settlement in connection with the opioid crisis um, you you won't want to miss that discussion but it's not going to happen this week sorry
0: hey but it's worth it don't you worry we'll get we'll get to it we've got more important stuff so with that said let's hop on over to our interview with representative Christy Clark.
3: And joining us now is North Carolina Representative Christy Clark. Uh, Representative Clark, thank you for joining us on the show.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here.
3: I, we are very, very excited to uh, to have you on to sort of uh, help walk us through what's happening in North Carolina. Um, in, in particular, in the last couple of weeks, we've covered... Two stories that I think are really significant in terms of their nationwide importance. The the first uh, is the recent North Carolina Supreme Court decision regarding the gerrymandering of uh, the the state legislative districts, which um, I can imagine probably affects you directly and maybe we should maybe we should start with the second one first because i because i think it's um it seems like a crazier story uh that is the the, the the secret session that was convened on nine eleven while Democrats were out ostensibly at a memorial, although there have been some reports that you know whatever that uh, whereby the the Republicans used uh, the the provision in I think it's Section twenty two of of the North Carolina State Constitution uh, that allows them to override a veto with sixty percent of votes of those present. And so, by encouraging all the Democrats not to be present, uh, they they were able to, uh, to to muster that first. First things first. Did I get that right in terms of the the general outline of the story?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'll uh, tell you how it went down is um, or how it normally goes down in the House. You know, um, a basic level of trust between the parties is relied upon to do business. And after the Tuesday session at 4.30, um, the Democratic leader went to um, the Republican rules chair and asked him, hey, are there going to be votes tomorrow at 8.30? And he um, said, F, I forgot to say that. And he said, no, there's no votes. So our leader let us know there are not going to be any votes at 8.30 the next morning. Um, That went out by email to us. um, And sometime between that Going out and the 8:30 session, um, Republican leadership got wind of it and they realized that the no vote session had not been officially announced from the dais or by email from the speaker, and they took advantage of that situation. And when they saw that there were only 12 Democrats in the chamber on um, 9-11, they called for the vote and it happened in about 57 seconds, uh, which is a little abnormal um, because I um, and this is not meant to be in a any way offensive to our speaker but he's from uh, he has a pretty good strong solid accent and I kind of relate his, the way he runs session to a bingo caller. Um, he's very <laughs> methodical he has kind of a lilt to his voice and he pauses in between things. Um, to give time for everyone to hear and understand what he said, and that morning, um, if you listen to the recording, you can hear that it happens very fast. He says, "You know, any discussion, any debate, all in favor say aye, all, all the post say no," and it happens before anyone can even vote. And at that point in time, that's when Representative Deb Butler started yelling because she realized that they were pulling a fast one on us. Yeah, so yeah. And,
0: and how accurate is it to say that they, this they they used like a nine eleven memorial? to do this or was it just like was that specifically part no. of this go ahead no
1: um in general um the democratic legislators were all over the place some were dropping off kids at school mm-hmm. some were at work some were what well, there was one at a 911 memorial um that story we're not sure how that got out there into the nationwide media i we think that when our governor gave his speech that um somehow that got conflated in the media that we were all with him at the 9-11 Memorial, which we weren't, there was only one representative there.
3: Got it. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that uh, clarification. I, I want to make sure I understand um, you had said that you received an email, that email came from your leadership on Tuesday evening. Okay. And so, and that was, uh, essentially, your leadership relaying, "Hey, I talked to the the speaker, and I've been assured that there are no votes at eight thirty a.m. tomorrow. So, you know, you don't have to
1: be here." That's correct, yeah. And he, um, because we were having a weird schedule last week um, because of the um, Supreme Court decision. We were also having redistricting meetings that you know were going on all day. He laid out the entire day for us what we have happened. And, you know, it was 8.30, no vote session. And then at one thirty was the 9.11 commemoration in the chamber plus votes. And so that's what we were all anticipating. And so um, it just so happened that 12 people were there. Some were, were there just because they got up early and they came into the General Assembly. But most of them had a finance committee at 9 a.m. And normally, if a session was called at 8.30 and there's committee meeting at 9 the standard procedure has been that the eight thirty is a no vote session. They're just gabbling in, saying the prayer, doing the pledge, getting some procedural things out of the way so that our later session, which might be longer, which you know we do anticipate it would be on a nine eleven commemoration day, um, we have more time for that to focus on what we're our business and not so and not on our ceremonial procedural things.
0: So it being nine eleven, uh, was kind of just coincidental in this, right? It didn't really factor in because this something they pretty much could have done on any day that they mm-hmm. kind of pulled the fast one. Could you give us a sense for, uh, uh, I think two of us here aren't legislators, sir. <laughs> representatives, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm not going to say which two. Could you give us a sense of how like regular is that? You know, when you talk about these scheduling things. I, I don't. You know. I imagine a lot of people listening don't know how how normal is it for for this to happen where they you would get an email saying yeah no vote so you know if you're taking your kid to school you're doing whatever don't worry about it is that you know just an everyday occurrence is it a special occurrence?
1: No, yeah, that's um, that's pretty regular. Um, that's kind of the course of doing business. Um, statutorily, the legislature and the house has to have a session every three days, and so for example, this coming week we are um, on recess. And so the clerk will gavel in um, every three days while we're gone and just um, do procedural things. Um, This also happens sometimes even when we're expected to be in um, Raleigh. We're usually there Monday through Thursday. And so usually Monday evening sessions are what they call skeleton or no vote sessions where they read in bills that have come from the Senate, maybe any messages from the governor, um, any committee notices or anything like that would be handled. And it's not something where legislators necessarily need to be present for, because it's procedural and part of it has to be done as per our constitution.
3: So my question here is that my understanding is that after that vote, that then sent the budget to the state Senate, where again, there's, there's a, a Republican majority, but not a super majority that, that in other words, that they will need one Uh, Democratic defector. Um, Is that, again, A, uh, is that accurate? And then B, you know, sort of what's the status of where this budget is with respect to the Senate?
1: Yeah, that is exactly what happens. Um, In the Senate, they have a little bit different rules. And so in the Senate, um, um, Senator Philberger, who presides over the Senate, is required to give 24 hours notice that the vote is actually going to take place to on a date certain, and so unlike in the House, where the budget remained on our calendar all summer, um, I think it was about sixty days, where um, Democrats showed up every single day, waiting for this vote to be called, and it was never called. We had um, people who had breast cancer surgery, um, people who had other surgeries come in, people canceled vacations, they missed conferences, they were going to supposed to go in for their real jobs and work. Mm-hmm. Um, not that this isn't a real job, but so we really had sacrificed over the summer. So that explains some of our um, anger at the end. But now it's in the Senate and they don't they deal. They will start to come every day, but they will have 24 hour notice of when the vote is actually going to take place. And they are also off next week. So we should not anticipate that happening until the at, at the soonest of the following week.
3: So, as as part of that answer, you actually answered a, a question that that Thomas asked me that that I couldn't answer uh, when we first covered it, which is basically, um, if if I'm understanding you correctly, because the Republican leadership refused to specifically pick a date and time for the vote on the budget, um, you you had to be sort of at you know DEFCON one all summer, right? Um, yeah, 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 we cool. had
1: to show up. Um, usually um, there are 55 Democrats and we had, you know, anywhere from, you know, we would never let it drop below 53 Democrats showing up. And there are even times where people have had to be out. Um, I was expected to be out one day and we couldn't make it work with the numbers. And I ended up just arranging rearranging my schedule on the fly at the last minute to stay mm-hmm. because there weren't, there was enough coverage. And that was due to, we had um, members who had um, one, one, one member's uh, daughter was in a car accident. It was pretty severe. She was out of town. Um, There were things like that. You know, we had family emergencies come up that, you know, and I I wasn't having a family emergency. So I adjusted my schedule to help out and we did that all summer. So this
0: was a very premeditated (laughs) thing. Like you guys had a a inclination that at some point they were going to try to pull off this maneuver. And so you've basically been hostage to, (laughs) to this for, for how long?
1: Um, I believe the governor vetoed the budget on June 28th. Wow. So yeah, all summer all, all summer long, we were hostage to this. And let me just say that the Republicans were not hostage. Obviously, they were being told of the schedule and what was happening. Uh, we generally are not told of the schedule in advance. We go day to day, waiting till the end of session when the speaker will tell us what the next day's schedule is going to be. But the Republican caucus always knows and they went on vacation. One guy got married, went on a honeymoon. They went to the state legislator conference that we couldn't go to. Some of them were in Canada for agricultural conference. You know they did all the things that they were expecting to do over the summer, family vacations, you know, celebrated birthdays with their family, all those things that we did not do.
3: So, so when we hear crocodile tears about the the death of civility in the legislature, uh, in in your experience, that's a that's a one sided issue, right? That 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 there was no one that you could reach out to on the other side of the aisle and say, uh, you know, hey, I, you know, my my kid's sick, I I'm not going to be there at eight thirty today. Can you switch from a from a yes to a uh, to a not you know to a not present not voting um, and, and, and kind of preserve the balance.
1: Right, right there. Um, um, I used to say prior to this happening that I believed there were Republicans on the other side of the aisle that were good people and, um, that you could maybe have some faith in, but I know for certain when they looked over and saw that there were 12, uh, Democrats there and that they had been told there would be votes that morning they knew something was wrong because we had been there all summer. And so they made a choice in that moment to side with their party instead of having the decency to say something's wrong. I don't understand why they're not here and we should not do this. But yeah, then we yeah. also gave them a second chance to take it back. And that was our leader introduced or made a motion to recall the budget. And also they passed a Medicaid transformation bill as well at the same time that the governor had vetoed. And we made a motion to recall those from the Senate and every single Republican voted against that motion. So it tells you and me that they had no good intentions towards us. Yeah. And uh, that sent a really strong message. And, you know, we keep saying that phrase that my um, Angelou said was, you know, people show you who they are, believe them. And we, we really do believe who they are they
3: wow. should wow well what 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 do you think the the prospects are in the Senate is is there somebody you know obviously if the math is one democratic defection I I guess the the way I would layer those questions are number one uh, does that mean that you know if is the math the same if one senator is you know out sick or you know otherwise can't be in the session or uh and then you know number 2 is there you know, is there some is there a, a Democratic senator that you think is you know potentially wavering? Do you feel like or the flip side, do you feel like uh, the Democrats are sort of going to be able to hold the line? Not in not not at least in part because of sort of the, the shady way in which this went down. And uh, and and I guess the corollary to that, do, do you have any hopes of, you know, picking off a Republican senator who says, look, you know, I'm I'm all for this budget, but, um, you know, but not. Not under these conditions. So I, I realize that's a multi part question, but.
1: <laughs> I got you. Um, there are, b- prior to this happening with this ambush um, in the House, there was one senator who I think had intended to vote to override Governor Cooper's veto. Um, but after this um, ambush of democracy to be. Um, a little bit hyperbolic about it. Um, he has since decided to, to sustain governor Cooper's veto. And this democratic senators came out last week as a unified group and said they will hold the line. They will show up every time and they will um, vote to sustain governor Cooper's veto when the time comes. And there are no Republicans that would um, change sides. Um, that is not done. <laughs> wow.
3: Um, so uh, why, why don't I when I take a step back, um, it, can you tell us a, a little bit, what are some of the items that are in this budget that um, it, that in your view are sort of worth, uh, you know, holding
1: the line on this fight? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, they um, the Republicans, since they took power in 2010, have been drastically underfunding public education and they had put forward um, a pretty measly teacher raise. And Governor Cooper and um, the Democrats had had a significantly higher raise for them. Same with state employees. Our state employees have been really they have been thrown under the bus. They do the bulk of the work to keep our state going. And they just haven't been given the respect with their raises, um, including the retirees. And then we also were we are advocating for doing a school bond for the state to help build new schools and um, revise and rebuild some that need extra help um, because you know there are rural counties that are really struggling economically and they need funding to help them get their public schools back where they need to be because they just don't have the taxpayer base like the big cities do. And so those are the, some of the things that we were advocating for. Um, when Governor Cooper gave his proposed budget back to the Republicans after he vetoed theirs, he basically included every single um, pork project and every other special project they had in there Except for those items that I just mentioned, he changed those. He you know made the teacher raise higher, um, state employee raise higher, and he advocated for school bond versus this other program which they call a SCIF, which is basically skimming money off the top of the bank account of the state to put aside for school construction, and um, which is a great way to do things if you you know if you're thinking about your budget for the state, um, and they refused to compromise on that and refuse to negotiate and have, um, really just taken a pretty undefensible position and towards him and us on the budget.
0: Yeah. That, What's it like that in sense. the, uh, the break room these days? <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> tensions high.
1: Yeah. Tensions are high. Um, you know what happened after other controversial votes that we've had, because this is not the first time that something controversial has happened or will happen in the General Assembly, um, most of the time we're fighting out on the House floor and defending our positions. We adjourn, we go back to our offices, we end up at um, you know, a reception or something that evening together and we're all fine and we carry on the business as usual and we keep up our camaraderie as, we, as anyone would when you're in that kind of environment, um, but not this time. This time um we have really seen that the line has been drawn in the sand and we can't we can't we can't yield as Deb Butler said we're just not going to yield um we can't we've crossed the line and the general assembly where respect and decency were thrown out the window in order to have a win and that is just not how things should be done and so you know we basically don't Speak to the other side of the aisle, other than is necessary committee in committee and various situations. Um, but in the past, you know, we would have gone and had a glass of wine together, maybe even had dinner together. Um, those days are over.
0: Wow, wow! Um, now it's all reheating fish for lunch in the in the in the break room microwave. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <is> exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I so it, it, this this just seems so frustrating to a, to a layperson here thinking about like. Uh, w- already democracy is threatened by gerrymandering and other things, but but you would think that the will of the people somewhat was made known in who they voted for in these districts and, and the number breakdown. But Republicans, I guess, w- want it to be that it's not just about what the people want in terms of who they've put into office, but it's also if they can game the system so that enough Democrats happen to have – you know, either family emergencies or or sick kids or whatever, whatever it is at the same time so that there aren't enough uh, Democrats there to to, you know, fill out the vote. Then they yeah. can just usurp the way of the, the will of the people and do whatever they want. It's just so undemocratic.
1: Yeah. And even before this um, vote had come up, you know, most in general, most of us were always there every day. And um, what would happen would be that there would be some sort of local bill that wasn't really controversial and didn't have a lot of weight to it, and we would vote on it, and that would allow the speaker to see who was in attendance and who was not and see if he had the numbers. And we would even see sometimes um, some of the other members in the Republican leadership would walk the aisles and count to see how many of us were there before session started, so they could, if they thought they had the numbers on that day, they could you know, put the bill up for a vote at that moment. Of course, we, they never had them until they, they scammed us. I, I,
3: wow. Well, I mean that this, it, it's, I just can't imagine, you, you know, going into the office every day yeah. and, and being in that environment. I mean, I, you know, I know, I know you were elected, um, you know, for the first time in, in, in 2018. I, have you, have you spoken to, you know, folks that, um, you know uh, that have, that have been in the legislature a longer time like is this is this breakdown in civility is this you know politics in the age of trump is it you know is it has it has it been like this for a while i mean it just it, that seems so demoralizing to um you know to to kind of suffer under, under that you know they're counting us every day to see if they can sneak something in.
1: Right. You know, um, I was part of the 2018 um, blue wave, for lack of a better word. Um, we broke the supermajority in the state. So, what's been happening in the General Assembly in this 2019 session has been a new thing because the Republicans have had the supermajority uh, since uh, 2012, was I believe, when they got the actual supermajority. And so they in the past have been able to do whatever they wanted because there just weren't the numbers to defend against what they were ever, whatever they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that you can think back to like HB2 which caused a huge controversy and they stripped Governor Cooper of his powers when he got elected in 2016 before he was sworn in. You know, they would do things like that in the dead of night and they knew there were and they would call people in and they there was no defense that Democrats had against them because they had the supermajority and that's why 2018 was such an important year for us. And um, we pushed really hard, um, worked our butts off <laughs> to get elected, so that we could have some kind of defense. And so that's has created a new stage for politics in North Carolina because of that. And um, I can tell you that on the first day, which was January thirtieth, I could tell that the majority of the Republicans in the building were not excited that we were there they wanted their colleagues that we had um you know we had one over back and they did not want us there and it took me a few months to get some of them to even speak to me or acknowledge my presence in the building and that that was not unique to me that was unique to all that was applied to all the freshmen you know so that um that has set a new stage in the general assembly that they have never experienced and then our uh, more senior members have never experienced either
0: Opening Arguments is brought to you by Harry's Razors. Apparently, humans have been shaving for over 5,000 years, which seems like a very long time. Imagine what they must have been using back 5,000 years ago. Shark teeth, flint tools, all the way to the first copper razor. Well, we always knew that a great shave comes down to the simple, sharp, durable blades the ancient Greeks didn't need flexiballs or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's razors doesn't add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on the qualities that actually matter for a close, comfortable shave, and they never upcharge you. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special trial offer by going to harrys.com slash arguments. Back before Harry's was around, blades were so difficult to get at any kind of a good price. They were so expensive and unnecessary and so much of that cost was going to stuff that you don't even need to have a good shave. Harry's has been truly revolutionary because they offer you quality durable blades at $2 per blade. To keep prices low, they cut out the middleman. They also own a world-class blade factory in Germany. Ah, someday I want to own a world-class blade factory. Not not a second-class blade factory. World-class. They do. They've been making some of the best razor blades in the world for 99 years, and now they provide a great quality at factory-direct prices. Harry's is the brand you can be proud of. One percent of sales are donated to organizations that provide access to mental health care for men. And there's no risk for you to try them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com/arguments. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Go to Harry's dot com slash arguments to start shaving better today.
3: Wow. Um, what 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 can you tell us about your district, right? I mean I mean I, and and I wanna kind of Delve in a little bit, you know, into uh, gerrymandering, but I, I it. My understanding from the Supreme Court's decision is that there there aren't a lot of you know toss up districts. Are you are you in a you know what's typically bad? I mean, I know you you defeated a a Republican incumbent uh, in in twenty eighteen. Um, what you know? What's your district look like?
1: Yeah. So um, in twenty eighteen, the district was leading Republican. Um, I think it probably still does technically. Um, and I, my district comprises all of the town of Davidson, all the town of Cornelius, and part of Huntersville, which is basically north of Charlotte. Um, it's about a third, a third, a third as far as re- voter registrations go. So we have unaffiliated as a voter registration in North Carolina. The, that's the majority, uh, slightly above Republicans. And then um, the Democrat registration is slightly below that um, so unaffiliated voters really are who makes the decisions in my district and, and generally around the state as well. Um, I'm still considered a toss up district um, after the gerrymandering decision. You know, we were in the building last week, redrawing maps. Um, we started um, heavily and with meetings that lasted, you know, six, seven hours. So um, it's it will be interesting to see what happens with the courts after this Um some districts have become more Republican-leading. Some have become more Democratic-leading. We don't really know because we were not allowed to use partisan or racial data as we were creating the map. So it's going to take some deep analysis to figure those out.
0: Oh, no. I'm just still mad at Republicans. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, just, I'm um, just
0: plotting various office pranks that you can pull on them, you know, yeah. channeling, channeling Jim from the office. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> replace one of their desks with like cardboard boxes and then they sit in it and stuff Stuff like that you know
1: um yes i and i do i do have to say that you know i am in general a pretty um welcoming and friendly person and i kind of lead with my heart so i don't i don't have a tendency to be uh, aggressive or hateful with other people that's not how I work um and I don't and I've actually spent the nine months in my le- in the legislature as a and the person in the minority party as an, a freshman and frankly as a woman spending my time building relationships because that was pretty much mm-hmm. the only power that I had and um having that those relationships just get thrown in my face was you know that was pretty hurtful and um there was one poor Republican who came to me afterward and thought that he thought things would be all chummy chum as normal. And he really got all the wrath of my anger for the Good. entire Republican <laughs> party at him singularly. And I did feel kinda guilty later and I, I said I kind of owe you apology because you didn't really deserve all the wrath for all the whole party on yeah, you. Just, <laughs> just, just just one so.
0: fifty fifth of it or whatever.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> We're here. We're here to absolve you for that.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna give you. You don't get a pass. However, you probably shouldn't have had to bear the weight of all my anger. Just a little bit of it. So he, um, you know, and I. I have had one Republican who, who right afterwards, called me. He was very. um, He wasn't apologetic, but I could tell by the tone of his voice he knew that what had happened was wrong, and that that damage had been done and he was really trying to extend the olive branch. And I said, I'm really not ready for this. I said, but, you know, maybe give me some time and maybe we can talk again. And so for him, I do have a great deal of respect because he recognized the damage had been done and he knew that work was going to have to be done to fix it. And he is the only one that has come to me to try to repair the damage that was done.
3: Yeah, how how do those conversations go? I mean, it, it if I, I I just sort of imagine you sitting there saying, you know, uh, but but but, sir, you know, at at long last, have you no sense of decency? Right? I mean, you know, like it, I, how does that go? Yeah, you
1: said it in a much nicer way than I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's all I to say. Um, I am from the south and I'm a lady, but I also, you know, I can let you know words fly out as necessary. Um, and have, um, so yeah, I have basically whenever they say something like just so that you're aware and you can plan ahead, there will be, you know, this happening tomorrow. And I'll say, well, maybe, maybe not, we don't know. We can't trust you and say things like that back. Cause you know, that is really where we are, where they might say something, but we really don't know if it's the truth or not.
3: Yeah. Wow. Um, wh- what, what, what if i could if i could just go back uh, i i think it might I, I'm, I'm i'm trying to find something a little more optimistic here obviously uh the 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 north carolina supreme court uh and the fact that that the districts are about to be uh redrawn uh, you know gives uh, a, a lot of a lot of encouragement um why don't can you talk a little bit about how you decided to to run uh, for the for the state statehouse uh, in the first place? And, you know, talk a little bit about your your campaign and what, you know, the the, the high minded ideals that you uh, decided to come in and, and get stymied and stomped on every single day of. of uh...
1: Sure. Um, you know, so um, in 2012, there was a shooting in Sandy Hook. And following that shooting, I um, became very active with an organization called Moms Demand Action, mm-hmm. their organization working to end gun violence in this country. And it started out as a bunch of moms, and it's now transformed to, um, in the millions, I think the latest last number I saw was like 5 million supporters nationwide. Um, and so I started volunteering with them, and I spent a lot of time at the legislature and really got to know some of the members of the General Assembly well. Um, the ones on the, the good guys, I will say, on my side of the aisle. And then I got to know some of the ones on the other side of the aisle, too. And I kind of realized, well, if we want to change gun laws in the state, we have to change who's here. Um, and, my, um, and I had all, spent a lot of time up there going to meetings and things, and they, being who they are, would cancel meetings, um, move them, not tell us when they were going to be. Um, We would have to find out through, you know, staff members who were there where the committee meeting was actually happening. Sometimes they would even just close their doors to the volunteers that were coming and wouldn't let them in. And, you know, that just really inspired me to run for office. And then in 2016, I worked really, really hard for um, Hillary Clinton and the local candidates who were running for office and um, was, as you can imagine, quite disappointed and when that happened, I was like, I have to run for office. I just can't let this happen again. Because even in, at that time, there were members of the General Assembly, Republican members who were unchallenged and did not have opponents, um, including, um, or they had opponents that just did not care and did not have their heart in it. And, I, and that was just appalling to me because I thought, if you're going to challenge a Republican, you got to give it your all. And so I spent all of 2017 going to candidate classes, reading books learning how to be a good candidate, and then um, announced I was going to run in January of 2018 for the House. And here we are.
3: Wow, that's, that that's is awesome. such
0: a cool story. Uh,
3: yeah, tell, tell me about candidate classes. That's not something I've heard of before.
1: Yeah, so in North Carolina, we have two wonderful organizations. One's called Lillian's List. They are the local version of Emily's List. They support mm-hmm. progressive pro-choice women. And then we also have one called Lead and See, which is a nonpartisan organization that is trying to create a pipeline of candidates, and they generally, and they train candidates on all aspects of what it is to campaign, from public speaking to fundraising to planning your budget, you know, everything you need to do, um, hosting, you know, events and all those different things, and it helps kind of give you a strong foundation. And then um, Lillian's List, when they actually endorse, and then they also give support both financially and, um, you know, in operationally to candidates to help them run, women run their candidates in the state. And so that those are the two places that I um, took classes, but you can also do them online through with the North Carolina or with the Democratic Party. Um, and you can, uh, you know, just do them online through a portal. And it's, those are pretty, pretty helpful as well.
0: You know, I couldn't help but notice when you were talking about Republicans, it, it pretty much always was a he pronoun. And I was just wondering if the, <laughs> if the gender kind of dynamics that, that take place nationally, where there are a lot more women than I think ever in the, in the House, but it seems to be on one side of the aisle. Yes. Uh, does that seem to be true in North Carolina as well?
1: That is absolutely true. Um, there are a handful on the other side. I think there's about six Um, women, no people of color at all. Um, and our side of the aisle is obviously much more diverse. Um, um, we have, I don't actually know that I think there's like 25 women. Um, and then, um, multiple people of color, both genders. Um, so yeah, there's, it's a stark difference between the sides of the aisle. If you ever see a picture of us all lined up, (laughs) it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. But yeah, in general, the leadership on the other side are all gentlemen. There is one lady who is um, in leadership, but um, we have a variety on our side, of course.
3: It sounds well. Let me let me ask let me ask the question this way. It seems like um, when you run for election, uh, when you run for re-election in twenty twenty, that a large part of, if not all of, that story is going to be. Um, hey, you know we were we were stymied at every turn, um, and you know we're here to sort of fight the holding action. Um, I I know you know we weren't able to get you know things like meaningful gun reform, uh, you know, ad, advanced off of the agenda. Um, but you have to keep sending me back if we have any hope of of making that happen. Um, how, how talk to me a little bit about like what that story is like with your constituents of, of sort of like, you know, cause we, cause we get that on the show all the time when people are like, you know, I think we, we first got our question of, you know, how do we go about impeaching Donald Trump on, you know, January 30th of 2017. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, people, and I get that, right. I get that people want to sort of take action and, um, you know, it, 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 I, I can see that kind of potential frustration of hey, I voted for you two years ago because uh, I share your ideals on you know expanding uh, women's reproductive rights and 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 looking for meaningful gun reform. How come you haven't gotten that for me yet? Right? What's what's how do you respond back to to somebody like that?
1: Right. Well, you know, seasoned North Carolinians know that the Republicans have had the supermajority and now the majority, and they know that. Generally, there are two Republicans that make decisions on what bills are heard in the state, um, Speaker Tim Moore and Senator Phil Berger, and they really drive the agenda for the states, just the two of them. And so most people know that it was important to sit there so that I could advocate for causes and hold up bills when when it was necessary, which we have definitely done. And they also know that we need to reelect people like me. And in Mecklenburg County, there are three others who were in flippable districts who who won and send us back. And also six more Democrats. And we have those six more Democrats in the House. We'll really be able to make some meaningful changes. And, you know, and I have, despite what most people would say is reason have committed to not have a chip on my shoulder towards the Republicans about their behavior and have committed to maintain that we should have take the higher ground and treat them with the respect that they deserve because they worked hard at some of them and got elected duly as we did. And they should have the respect now, whether they're, they're not going to get committee chair seats and they're not, maybe not get all their bills passed either, but some have really good solid ideas that are really important to North Carolinians and we should find a way to make sure that both parties have success in those areas.
0: Uh, all right. I'm moving to <laughs> moving <laughs> North Carolina. I'm going to run on the low road ticket. You got the high road covered. <laughs> Did somebody run on the low road? No, sorry. None of, none of their, uh, they don't get to go on vacation anymore. None of that. They'll be constantly on edge.
1: Yeah. I, I am not down with that. I, all
0: right. Are, fair uh, enough. Maybe that's the right way. <laughs>
1: I, it may be I may be a glutton for punishment, but um I just really strongly believe that and um, you know, you can see as a freshman, I can see sit back and observe from leadership on both sides of the aisle where like these long-term disputes and you know just just terrible treatment of each other because the, you know, Democrats are not off the hook. They did it for hundreds of years here. They did the same exact things to Republicans. it's it's that's inexcusable then too. And so um, That has to stop somewhere, and so, you know, many, um, I'm pretty sure all of my my freshman colleagues and I have all said we're not going to let this be the way the state goes forward on our side of the aisle. Now, the other side of the aisle, they may have to be a little more, you know, uh, what's the word, swayed to that idea, but um, I think they'll get there when we, you know, treat them with respect, um, which would be unique in the
2: legislature. (laughs)
3: Well, and that and that anticipated my next question, which is, you know, if I'm role playing a, a hypothetical, you know, your district is 33, 33, 33, and that that's a large, even though it's it's you know maybe a little uh, right leaning, um, that's a large block of folks that I could just imagine saying, you know, look, I don't. I don't identify. I'm unaffiliated. I don't identify either way. I just want you guys to stop fighting um, and and get stuff done. And 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 you know. And I think you kind of answered that part of the story, which is, you know, um, yes. Look, look. There's a line in the sand. What they did was wrong. I'm not letting them off the hook for it, but. Uh, so I'm not going to forget, but I am willing to, you know, move forward and 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 try and and make some progress. I I I, I like that. It's a good optimistic message, and I'm the optimist on the show. So, uh.
1: <laughs> and I'm usually the pessimist, and the cynic, so it, um <laughs> i have kind of surprised my colleagues and I've been like, you know, we have to be kind of better about these things. Um, but you know what? What happens when you have these kind of stalemates, which is what's happening now, is we have not expanded Medicaid in the state. And we have over 500,000 North Carolinians without health care. And they're estimating around 1,200 North Carolinians die every year due to lack of health care. And that's just not acceptable. And so this kind of stalemate and tit-for-tat and um, revenge-type politics just isn't working for our state when we have people who can't even afford to go to the doctor and get the treatment they need. And that's not okay with me. And then we also have situations like we have public schools here. The buildings are crumbling. They have stained tiles in the ceiling. They have lead in the drinking water. You know, all these different issues that need to be addressed. They're critical. We don't need to be fighting with each other over these personal vendettas. We need to be working on these issues. And that's where I'm going to continue to come from. And hopefully it'll work and we can get some things done.
0: Yeah. Takes two to tango, though. It
1: does. It does.
0: <laughs> I think that's a great uh, message to go out on. What do you think? I
3: I agree. I think that uh, you've given our listeners, uh, A, some, some really great kind of Uh, Behind the scenes information and be some some optimism and some ways to uh, to get involved. I mean, we get we get emails. We we started this show in July of twenty sixteen, planning to cover legal stories in the news. So you know, the country took a slightly different turn on us too. So um, so so we but but yeah, so we got a lot. You know, we were you know, I worked for Hillary Clinton and uh, and and we get folks who say who ask all the time. You know, hey, you're covering this bummer of a story. Um, what can we do? And I, I love your I love your story. I love the fact that um, you got involved, and then you know that there are resources out there to to help first time candidates. And, and so hopefully you're uh, you'll inspire uh, some of our listeners to 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 follow in your footsteps.
1: Yeah, I hope uh, so. You know, I always tell people um, it doesn't matter who you are; you can be a farmer, a stay at home mom a dentist, you know, whoever, and you can run for office because everyone has life experiences that are relevant to the General Assembly. And when you get there, you realize that acutely because you all have these different experiences and educations and um, knowledge on subjects that really add to the value of the General Assembly in some way or, or the other. And um, it doesn't matter what you are. You don't have to be, no offense, a lawyer to run for <laughs> office, um, I'm a paralegal, so I can I can say that. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be, you know, a PhD and some subject to run for office. You can just be yourself. And it works out, um, you know, just be genuine. And we didn't talk a lot about gerrymandering, but the gerrymandering um, case, the maps have now gone to the courts. Um, they will um, be responding. Uh, there will be public comment, um, time for the plaintiffs and defendants to speak on the maps that are pre- before them. Um, we will find out probably by the end of October whether these maps are going to pass muster. I personally don't think they're going to pass the test of the courts, um, based on the way they were done. Um, primarily, the one of the main defendants, Representative David Lewis, chaired the committee that ran the redistricting in the House. Um, he was should not have been doing that as a defendant in this court case, um, and some other issues, you know, that are unique to North Carolina. And, um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, um, because they will really could possibly change the face of North Carolina in 2021.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the instructions that I thought was, was very, very clear from the court, which, um, the Supreme court reserved the right, uh, to postpone primary dates in 2020, which seems to me to be, you know, pretty, pretty powerful stick, um, but but you know made it very clear that you have to do this uh you know without using hofeller data and without uh you know regard for partisan identification um it are you are you seeing that as as part of the process is, is it <laughs> maybe this is a loaded question but are the republicans playing fair on that and following the rules or are they um you know trying to introduce it through the back door the side door or the front door calling it something else
1: <laughs> you know i think um superficially they follow the rules um the base maps that both the house and the senate used were these maps that we're calling the Chen maps. And he was an expert witness for the plaintiffs. And he generated, I think he generated 4,000 maps total, 2,000 for the House and 2,000 for the Senate. And those maps were to demonstrate that no matter how you ran the numbers, on population that you could never achieve the same districts that the Republicans had drawn because to demonstrate they had drawn them under partisan and racial gerrymandering. And this was Mm. purely done by population. And so we use those maps as our base map. And they really were not intended to be maps that would draw districts. And I think the court is probably going to frown upon that because part of the order was they wanted to, um, this is not their term, but start from scratch, And we did not do that. We started with these maps from Chen, and that was definitely not a scratch starting point. And that was the decision of the Republicans to do it that way. And they claimed there wasn't time to have maps drawn from scratch. And I, you know, I feel like in (laughs) 2019, when everyone has a computer, that's probably not 100% the case. Um, But, you know, there was that. And then there were, um, you know, there were some times where there was a Republican with... Their finger on the screen as the staff was trying to move precincts around and kind of directing which precincts should be moved, Um, and that you know I just don't think that's going to hold muster in the courts, um, and it shouldn't. And then there were there was one um, Republican who was very upset that his district was going to become competitive, and he posted on his own personal Facebook page that he wanted everyone to write into the public comment and come and testify that in defense of his district as it is. Uh, that's clearly not within the rules uh, that the court laid down. Um, that you're, that's partisanship playing a game there. So, you know, those things were out in the open and everyone saw them. But is it the right thing? Not necessarily. And, and it'll be interesting to see how far the court wants to go. I've heard that the court doesn't want to redraw the maps or order or be involved. You know, the court's trying to stay out of it. And I think they expected everyone to do the right thing here um but they've already appointed a special master it's the same special master who redrew the maps after the court rejected them in august of 2017 mm-hmm. his name for silly and so um it will be interesting to see if he ends up drawing the maps again and what instructions he's given um, you know they through the chen maps we ended up with a lot of people who were double and triple bunked and the court said you know try to you do your best to relieve those if you can with as little changes to the map as possible. And in some instances, that just wasn't possible, especially in Mecklenburg County, where there were ended up with three legislators drawn into the same district on the 10 map because they live close to each other. Um, and you know, so those things are necessary, but how the court will feel about them is what's in question. And my district actually did not change that much. I had one split precinct that was put back together. And so I was and I'm up north um, compared to my Charlotte colleagues. And so I was the only person up here and I didn't have any any chance to be double bunked. So um, I kind of stayed back and said, I'll support you guys, whatever you want to do. And um, so they did the best they could with with the maps. Yeah. Opening
0: arguments is brought to you by Vistaprint. So normally when I talk Vistaprint, I talk business cards because those are crucial. uh, If you have any sort of podcast or business or anything and you want to look professional, business cards are a must. But I also have to tell you, I used Vistaprint to print out the Negatron versus Optimus Prime placards that we used at the live show in New York. It was a lot of fun. Uh, We were able to use those to vote who won and to Uh, Also, hold up for different segments and stuff. And they looked awesome. They were exactly what I needed. And they even showed up a day early, which was crucial because I was doing them right in the nick of time, as usual. So I cannot say enough good things about my Vistaprint experience with those. Uh, And of course, they have everything you might need. So that was a very odd uh, printing requirement that I had. And they had exactly all the options that I needed for it. Uh, If you need any printing, business cards, Uh, or even an obscure Negatron versus Optimus Prime segment placards for a live show, they've got you covered. Your next big opportunity is coming right now, and all it takes to feel like you're ready to own the now is $10. That's a low price to have the confidence that you're always ready to make an impression or get seen in a new way. A custom card with the colors, fonts, designs, and images you choose means you can look and feel like a big deal, whether you're a startup or a business with a century of history, Or doing a weird bit in a live show again. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be hard. With Vistaprint, you can create a truly professional, unique card in minutes. Upload your own design or start with one of the professionally designed options. Vistaprint offers simple tools and a wide range of templates to choose from. Pick the paper stock, the style, and the quantity that's right for you. Choose your delivery speed and order and receive your cards in as few as three days. VistaPrint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get 500 high-quality custom business cards starting at 9.99. Just go to vistaPrint.com/oa. That's vistaPrint.com/oa. One more time, vistaPrint.com/oa.
3: So, three quick uh, uh, follow-up questions on that. Number one: um, So you're on the committee that is uh, redrawing the, the district maps, right? I was
2: actually
1: committee um oh. i just attend it every day um just oh. to learn and observe and be present in the room as a democrat in the minority party
3: uh, that's i my my already high level of respect for you just went up that's uh, great I, i'm glad you're there uh you expect the the redrawn maps to come out in october i think you said
1: yeah the court's ruling on them should be towards the end of october i believe is what the the plan is great, so great. they They've been ratified by the legislature and then they had to go to the secretary of state to be essentially audited to make sure that every precinct was drawn into a district and every voter was accounted for. Um, And, um, you know, our poor and also wonderful staff at the General Assembly, their nonpartisan staff, they were working 17 and 18 hour days to help us get these maps done. So all the credit really goes to them that this happened in the time frame it did because they worked so hard and gave up. Everything to make sure this was done in time for the court order. And um, but also, you know, when you're working 18 hours, there could have been a little blip somewhere and a precinct could have been skipped over. And so the secretary of state would have validated that. And I think and I believe that she did or her office did. And Mm -hmm. so now it's in the court's hands.
3: Well, and then that that leads to my last question, which is when the court decides either to approve the maps or uh, to order some other relief. Can we get you to come back out on the show and and kind of give us the the behind the scenes as to uh, as to what that means?
1: Absolutely, I would love to. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And we all file to run, or we're supposed to file in December. So I will have a whole of um candidates to talk about who will come out of i hopefully some uh, well we will have strong ones come out as they know what their districts are but we have already had some republicans resign when they saw the writing on the wall with their districts and so that that may happen more as time goes on um it'll be interesting to see um who is just not willing to run a race whether the underdog or who's not willing to be run a competitive race they kind of got used to winning all the time. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's fair.
0: <laughs> Good. Get some turnover, get some new that's, blood going.
1: That's right.
3: All right. Well, uh, representative Clark, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the show. Can't wait to have you, uh, back on again. And we really, uh, we really appreciate it.
1: Yes, of course. Thank you for having me on. happy to share my thoughts on this crazy state that is North Carolina. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, you know what time it is, Andrew Torres. It's time to thank our, uh, this is, so this is Top Patron Tuesday. So we need to hop on over to patreon.com slash law and thank our top patrons, our Hall of Famers, our all-time greats who are enjoying that Lot of movies. That was so much fun. Matthew McConaughey uh, and all the other countless patron goodies, including uh, discount tickets to our live show that they should definitely be coming to. So, Andrew, why don't you start us off? Let's thank our top patrons.
3: Yeah, thank you too. I would attend an OA live show in Seattle. Bring citation needed. Well, we're
0: we're looking at it. Yeah, well, let's bring Cirque du Soleil while we're at, like, are we adding, but times five the number of people we need to coordinate to get a show going.
3: Nuking hurricanes, Trump's strategy to win the war on climate change. Rob, TJ at Delaware Law Two L Zirkle. Thanks to OA and Bastards Pod crossover. Yes, we are totally down for that. I love behind Absolutely. the bastards. Anyone but Trump 2020 agreed. Elbow of justice from the sky. Any second now. Emily Rainbow Spence. Benoit B. Mandelbrot's middle name is Benoit B. Mandelbrot. You are now breathing consciously. Finally out of the OA backlog. It didn't get better. Really? I i feel like it got I mean, the show got better. The yeah, they're button. talking about the news. They're yeah. talking about the news. <laughs> Michael Blevins. I'm donating as much to you as my wife does to church. Attorney General O.J. Simpson's Department of Justice hotspear.com keep your valuables and yourself safe at the beach is it okay to take podcasting advice from a lawyer absolutely jim emke it's legal it's advice it's not legal advice andrew aren't brady violations disturbingly common especially in baltimore i that's it we should talk about that uh, but i still stand by my 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 uh statement that um most prosecutors that i know are are very very ethical take that very seriously dragonfly.eco books about nature and the environment reviews and interviews at Aspra, ad astra per Aspra. nate drex repeal the second amendment stuff and polls resolve the united states should adopt a policy to elect pete Buttigieg. well-deserved patron number 239 at darth mandy pants repeal the dmca support the electronic frontier foundation i'm an unbrewing we're not lawyers, but you can take our advice. Summitshuffleboard.com. 13th Century Saxony Gravel Truck Lawyer. Impanel and Andrew for impeachment cross examinations. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to work. Uh, Valerie Galloway, Jennifer Cratch. Barbara LaWall could really use an international airport. Nice. <laughs> the cure for ultravirus, atavistic device. Congrats to the Chattanooga Zoo on the baby Komodo dragon hatchlings. That sounds super cute. Stephen Balticatai Sandoval, I've argued in front of every judge in the state, often as a lawyer. <laughs> Great Lionel Hutz line. Seattle live show confirmed, and I will bring scotch. Oh, all right. I'm just here for the 137 trimethyl xanthine, xanthine, I guess you should say, uh, explicitly telling you to take legal advice from a podcast since 2016. Well, that's a patron <laughs> saying that. Read Factfulness at Bill Barr's Barbarian Beard Barber and Beer Bar. V. Frank. Thirteenth century Saxony chicken tractor driver lawyer.
0: <laughs> what is all this? Okay.
3: Andrea has live has live show FOMO. That's fear of missing we've, out. We've got a cure. Yeah. yeah come it's to another the show. live show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How much are flights to LA? It's nothing. Yeah. Come see us.
3: Live show in Seattle. Live show in Seattle. Live show in Seattle or Tacoma. <laughs> or, or, or or LA. Also, also Los Angeles. CivilpoliticsRadio.com. Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Valley Free Radio. Sternly worded Tamales, John Ooh. Bilderback, the Registry Matters podcast, Adam Costa, Jay Aldenwalt, the end is nigh. There will be no dessert for you until you finish your clownhornvoting.com. <laughs> yes, Honey Buns, Eric Alsman, Painstrumpet, Strumpet, and Boy, I love that the, it just happened to divide right here. Thomas mm, yeah. Smith is my favorite attorney. Andrew is a close just second.
0: Purely coincidental. Take that it happen. away, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Colorado, where weed and shrooms are legal, but being homeless is a crime. Hello, hitter patter from a film re-roll fan. Glad you support OA. Huh. Kiowa Valley Exports for Australian Red Meat and Craft Beer. Redaction Blackout should now be called Bill Bars. Napoleon. Let me be totally clear. I like being totally clear. Milo Mead Song will run a D&D session for Andrew and Thomas. Ooh, we could get some patron goal going at some point. Uh, yeah. Jo- like I've great. still never played. Still don't know what that's like. Join your labor union together. We bargain alone. We beg. Short story Susan, a real property lawyer, slipped on a banana. <laughs> well, now we know where the story begins. <laughs> Cosmo Blues is not my legal name, but Karaoke Legend is my legal title. (laughs) The time traveler who can't figure out when to change his name. (laughs) Sam Buck. (laughs) Patron names about patron names are so meta. A man who claims he can put bricks to sleep entirely by hypnosis with a G in there. James Cole, an anagram of unpronounceable characters, is a Trump tweet. Update Dorian put a hole in my roof, FML. Ooh. Jonathan Steele is a great dad fund. Anonymous, Buttercup's Legal Services wishes everyone a happy Heritage Day this September 25th. And now someone uh, typed out a lot of numbers, but guess what? Uh, it's just pi. It's just the number pi. So I can just say pi and then everybody knows all the numbers that are there, the 7,000 numbers they were able to put in the field. So I don't have to read them all because it's just pi. It's just, it's like you don't read, when someone put the number one, you don't say 1.00 forever. And similarly, I can say Pi. Why is Laplace bad at blues riffs? He only plays spherical harmonicas. Hmm, okay. Uh, Republicans can meander to hell. <laughs> Be like Bob Blaskowitz. Subscribe. No more dick pill ads for Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Wordorigins.org, your source for legal terms from 13th Century Saxony. Another Seattle Live Show supporter. Nancy Pelosi, School of Leadership Failures. Justin Beecham, David in Brooklyn, Derek, live show in Tacoma, two votes, or Seattle if you must. Live show, Judicial Bikini Wax, featuring Bush v. Gore. Oh no, I might be Devin Nuna's distant cousin. Bayou Blasphemy, a string of unpronounceable characters. Dabo is my favorite stupid fictional game. Chula is a close second. Rhonda wants to recall Governor Dunleavy and save Alaska. Good morning, Camp Quest. Malika Chandler, Abacus Flinch. Soggy Pants. Greg Sullivan, Sam Denau, Matthew Vernon, Tiny Dick Damages, adopt a homeless pet, and oppose and ear docking. Aaron Grady, Heather L, interdimensional hole of pancakes. Sakashi Tejvuksumi has no more naughty nomenclature for now. Oh. Jeremiah's fancy microwave emporium. Ian and Allie, can't wait for the OA live show. Eli Bosnick, Zabby, appraisers not realtors know how to break into residences. <laughs> mitchell oa live show is in the right state at the wrong time injunction junction what's your function getting stayed by scotus <laughs> it's <laughs> technically impossible to beat conrad michaels and finally conrad michaels ah thank you so much so much fun our top patrons we love you top patron tuesday and now it's time for t3be
3: oh no associate this firm has
0: ever failed the board. talk to the hand I need your clothes. That's one of my mission parameters. Trust me. I don't know now why you cry. All right, it's time for T three BE. It's answer time. Ooh, Representative Clark, I hope we did well. We are in this together. <laughs> we have an <laughs> we have an unshakable bond. Uh, it's it's uh, it's unbreakable. It's it's we chose the same answer, so we're in this together. We're gonna sink or or we'll soar. Let's see, Andrew. How do we do?
3: <laughs> the law defines a contract as an agreement that is unbreakable. It's <laughs> a great line. All that's there. All right. Um, this was a uh, a question about conspiracy, right? So four men tried for conspiracy to commit a series of bank robberies. Um, there are nine of these in the series. Uh, one of them. Uh, Was able to identify via circumstantial evidence that um, that he was in jail for six of those robberies. So, you know, he's got an alibi on those Um, and his lawyer has now moved for a judgment of acquittal. Uh, Is that likely to prevail? Um, and the the I- immediately uh, y- y- <laughs> I, I want to confess this to you. Uh, the way in which this broke down were between the no answers either, Uh, No, because a conspirator is not required to agree to all the objectives of the conspiracy or no, because a conspirator need not be present at the commission of each of the crimes that uh, are agreed uh, and and committed to by the conspiracy. Uh, And then the yes answers involved the alibi rule. And um, both of you rejected the yes answers. Um, I want to confess to you i had to look up what the hell the alibi rule is (laughs) um it it and part of that is again you know we've talked about i'm a i'm a civil lawyer not a criminal lawyer it's rule 12.1 of the federal rules of criminal procedure i had zero recollection of this uh because don't try these kinds of cases so uh so good job eliminating the alibi rule answers that's a total distractor yeah Hmm. um uh, rule Rule 12.1 says an attorney for the government may request in writing that the defendant notify an attorney for the government of any intended alibi defense. The request must state the time, date and place of the alleged offense. So in other words, uh, I guess apparently if you're a prosecutor, uh, you can and I don't know why you wouldn't in every single case uh, send over to defense counsel this rule 12.1 letter that says hey um you gotta tell me are you putting on an alibi defense um that in any event none of that is relevant to the facts of this case because yeah that seems like it would go the
0: other way like if you didn't do that then it would be a reason you couldn't be acquitted but if you did do it it doesn't mean you necessarily would be acquitted right
3: yeah, well, and 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 in particular, the the bar exam would specify if this were going to test the alibi defense rule. The bar exam would specify that the government sent over mm-hmm. the requested letter, right? Because you don't have any affirmative obligation, as I read this, as defense counsel to notify them of an alibi defense if they haven't asked. So, mm-hmm. um, so. Uh, doubly irrelevant here. So then the question is, in conspiracy, um, is is he a part of the conspiracy because it doesn't matter if they agreed all of the objectives or he's part of the conspiracy because he need not be present at the commission of each of the crimes? Uh, you both picked the latter, which is B. And I am pleased to tell you that is a correct answer. All right. Ooh, all mm. right. <laughs> Go us. <laughs> so the whole point right, of conspiracy law is um, not everybody in the conspiracy does all the stuff. Um, so, you know, the fact that he might've only been present at six, you know, three of the robberies and not nine, right. The, the, the judge is going to be like, well, right. That's, that's why this is a conspiracy case. We don't, mm. you know, you don't have to be at all nine of them. Uh, you have to agree a is incorrect. You have to agree to the, uh, essential objectives. I was really scared. You're
0: going to tell me it was some tricky, weird, a answer <laughs> question. I was, no. I was pre mad about that already, yeah. but I'm, I'm glad <laughs> I, didn't need to be.
3: I
1: was about to be annoyed.
3: <laughs> well, uh, I know I do not want Representative Clark annoyed at me because uh, we've we've heard about her colleagues on that. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I get to stay on your good side. Congratulations to both of you, uh, Representative Clark. You now move to the uh, head of the queue with a one hundred percent average oh. on T three BE. Next time you're on, we'll we'll ask you another one and uh, and see see if we can't chip away at that at that uh, percentage. I can't I can't have you doing better at this than I am. So, um, but <laughs> but no, thank you so much for playing. Thanks for being a great sport and thanks sincerely. Thank you so much for telling your story here on the show. Um, I thought it was incredibly interesting and inspiring, and um, uh, and I really appreciate it.
1: Happy to. Happy to. Happy to share any other time when uh, whatever comes up next, because I tell you, the legislature surprises me every day.
0: That's I, I want to echo that. That was so much fun. And uh, I'm going to contact your Republican colleagues to see if there's some procedural way that I could win at this question. But then you didn't because I don't know, maybe there weren't enough people over <laughs> in your office at the time when you gave your T3BE answer. So maybe it doesn't count. Cal- I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah, we'll see.
1: Yeah. I'm, sure they ha- I'm sure they have a way to work around That's it. I have no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: That was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Alright, well, we uh, aced the bar exam, of course, but uh, it's time for Andrew to hop in the limited-use time machine and find out who this week's big winner is.
3: Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice.
0: I am definitely Andrew from the future, and this week's winner of T3BE is at LP McPelpy, who said, A is true, but not applicable. Not being able to attend doesn't constitute disagreement. C is false. One neat trick-esque D is true, but not applicable. Evidence is not exculpatory on the charge of conspiracy. Thus, the answer is B, per Trump Tower Moscow. Congratulations, Alpine McPalpe. You can follow them on Twitter at ALPE McPalpe. Your header on your Twitter page says one time TTBE champion. You can change that to two time T3BE champion. Congratulations. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. That was a lot of fun. Andrew, I learned a ton. And uh, I also learned that uh, people can go run for stuff. You know, that that's what t- 2018 was a wave of the people really realizing that you don't have to be an elite to go run for office. And it's super cool. And by that, I, I, I don't I just mean like someone already in power, someone already with privilege. It was so cool that, uh you know, Representative Clark's story of just like, hey, I was a concerned person and wanted to go run and she won. It's amazing. I,
3: I I love that, and uh, I'm I'm really glad we had her on, and I'm glad that uh, that she was able to to share her story, and uh, and I hope it does inspire some of our listeners.
0: Absolutely. All right, folks, we will see you on Friday. Go buy Texas Live Show. Yeah. Okay.
2: See you then. You the law! law. This has been Opening Arguments with Andrew and Thomas. If you love the show and want to support future episodes. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com law. If you can't support us financially, it'd be a big help if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast delivery vehicle you use. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. For questions, suggestions, and complaints, email us at openarguments at gmail.com. The show notes and links are on our website at www.openargs.com. Be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OpenArcs. Until next time. This podcast is a production of Opening Arguments Media, LLC. All rights reserved.
3: Opening Arguments is a copyrighted production of Opening Arguments Media LLC, all rights reserved. Opening Arguments is produced with the assistance of our editor, Brian Ziegenhagen. Our transcriptionist, Heather Leverage, production assistant, Ashley Smith, and with the generous assistance of our volunteer unofficial researcher, Deborah Smith. Special thanks to Teresa Gomez, who runs our merch and our live shows, and also heads up the OA Wiki project. Follow them at at OA Wiki. And a big thank you to our Facebook group moderators, Emily Waters, Alicia Cook, Eric Brewer, Natalie Newell, Brian, and Teresa. Check out the Opening Arguments community on Facebook. And finally, thanks to Thomas Smith for creating the fabulous OA theme song, which is used with permission yeah and that person will go here and i hope that they appreciate how many takes it took for us to leave us this spot